Atlanta Braves baseball is back as we get ready to kick off the second half of the Major League Baseball season. And the Braves do so with a bang going up against Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels. There's a ton of huge storylines for this Braves team in the second half. We'll cover those and also talk about the schedule and what the Braves need to do in order to take down the Mets in the NL East. All that on a Friday episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Braves. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockedon underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, feedback that you may have for the show. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button on the video. Hit the notification bell as well. Really helps support the show helps me out a ton and thanks for making lockdown braves your first to listen each and every day we post episodes daily five days a week monday through friday and are free and available on all platforms today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts the braves are starting the second half against the los angeles angels and shohei otani but without Mike Trout, we'll cover that a little bit later. But I first want to get into the biggest storylines of the second half for the Atlanta Braves and talk about the schedule of the remaining games that they have left. Well, let's talk. Let's start out talking about the storylines for the Atlanta Braves in the second half because there are some pretty big storylines, and I'm going to put them what I think are in order of importance uh, in terms of the Braves' season and how things play out the rest of the way. <clears throat> First of those is, I had to say, the emergence, the reemergence of Ronald Acuna Jr. becoming that MVP-type player. Look, I picked him to win the MVP this year. I thought he'd come back healthier, better than ever. And I think we've seen signs of that, part of that, but we still haven't seen him you know, really get going. He's still hitting the ball really hard. You look at his baseball savant page, it's all in the red except for the whiff weight rate and strikeout rate, which you know is just part of his game that you live with. Still hitting the ball extremely hard. Nothing has changed there. The only thing really holding Ronald back from being at his previous levels is the ground ball rate. And for whatever reason, his ground ball rate is extremely high this season. It's 45.8%. Uh, that is just really high. It was 31% last year which was you know on the other end of that he's more so kind of around the 35 36 area still a 46 percent ground ball rate uh that's just not where you want to see ronald acuna jr be so whether that's an adjustment pitchers are making to him and he needs to adjust back or whether that's just a mechanical adjustment in his swing once that gets figured out that's when we're going to see ronald acuna jr take off but Right now, you're just seeing them hit a lot of rockets, but they're right into the ground for ground outs, and that's just not where Ronnie's game is. He is getting lift on the baseball 
hitting it hard, hitting gaps, hitting him over the fence. So, again, everything else is right on par with what we've seen pre-injury for Ronald, except for that ground ball rate. The speed is there. The power is there. Hitting the ball hard. Just need to see him start getting some more lift on the baseball, and then we'll see Ronald Acuna Jr. lift this Braves offense into a new level. So that's the biggest storyline for me. I think the next biggest storyline, and this will really just be for the next couple of weeks, as we're just 11 days away from the trade deadline. It's even uh, sooner than I thought it was when I talked about the trade deadline preview in yesterday's podcast. Will AA Alex Anthopoulos get creative and make a big move or stand pat, or will he just make some marginal moves to improve the depth? As I talked about on yesterday's episode when I did my trade deadline preview, I tend to believe it's just going to be some marginal moves, finding a left-handed outfield bat for the bench to replace Heredia, perhaps finding another bench bat to replace Cano to hold down second base spot until Ozzie Albies is back, and then finding a right-handed reliever for the bullpen. I think that's likely all the moves that we see. I don't see Alex making a big splash for a top-end frontline starter or even a position starter. I just see him making some moves to improve depth, and I think that's okay. I wrote about this on TomahawkTake.com yesterday as well. This team is built to win, and they're built to win a World Series. Yeah, they may not be the favors, favorite on paper going in, but they weren't the favorites last year either. I still think this core group, when they play their best, can beat anybody in on any given day. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. Would I love to go out and, you know, get Luis Castillo, get Andrew Benintendi, and really just put this team over the top? Yeah. Is it necessary? I don't believe so. I think this team can still win, even if they just make some marginal moves. And, and to improve the depth of the team. But I know a lot of you disagree with me in the comments on that, and that is certainly okay. I appreciate all the discussion down in the comments. The next is key pieces returning from injury. I mentioned Ozzy Albies. He wasn't great before getting injured. What does he look like when he comes back? You know, expected to come back in late August. How long does it take him to kind of get back up to speed? And then, again, what level is he playing in? Because he wasn't exactly off to the best start in 2022. I think that's a big key. And then Kirby Yates and Mike Soroka. Kirby Yates is currently in his rehab process, just got uh, moved up to double A. So he's ramping up his return. Could be back, you know, maybe by the end of, of this month, but more likely three weeks or so, two or three weeks before we see Kirby Yates back. Mike Soroka is yet to begin a rehab assignment. It's starting to look more like, late August, middle to late August, I think, before we could see him. But what do those two guys look like? Because when they went down, they were at the top of their games. And Kirby Yates being one of the best closers in all of baseball and Mike Stroka being one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So what do they look like? How quickly does it take them to you know, shake off some of the rust? Both of them haven't pitched in nearly two years now in a major league game. So what do they look like when they come back? What kind of role do they play? I think that's one of the bigger storylines in the second half. How do these key pieces, I mean, you're talking about an all-star in Aussie Albies, Mike Soroka, Kirby Yates, you know, what do they look like when they come back from injury? That'll be big for how the Braves perform down the stretch going into the postseason. And the next is, can Dansby keep it up? You know, he's been hot and cold throughout his entire career. He's in the midst of, you know, one of the biggest hot or the biggest hot stretch of his career. 
can he maintain that through the second half of the season? You know, can he continue to hit around 300? You know, that's just something we haven't seen before out of him. So does he cool off a bit in the second half? Do we see one of those notorious cold stretches that we've seen throughout his entire career? Or is this just the Dansby Swanson we should expect going forward? I I think that is certainly something to keep an eye on in the second half. How many home runs does Austin Riley hit? Nine home runs already in the month of July, 27 on the year. His career high is 33. It seems like he should blow past that. The season record for the Braves is 51. uh, That was set by Andrew Jones. And if he passes that and he continues to be hot like he was the last couple of weeks before the All-Star break, does he get back into the MVP discussion again? I certainly think that's possible, especially if the Braves come back and overtake the division, and he's kind of leading the way on offense. I think Austin Riley has that opportunity, maybe not win the MVP, but maybe at least finish top five in the voting uh, this year. And is there more in the tank for Matt Olson? He hasn't been bad this year. I mean, he leads the league in doubles, leads the league in extra base hits, 17 home runs. But I still think there's a little bit left for Matt Olson to do. I think he's still a little bit below his career marks his defense has been underwhelming to say the least would love to see him pick that up in the second half as hopefully he starts to become more comfortable with his teammates with truest park and with the national league game hopefully he starts to become a little bit more comfortable and obviously taking over the mantle of freddie freeman that had to be difficult for him as well so hopefully he's starting to settle in a little bit i think we saw signs of that as well before the break you know offensively i'd love to see him raise his averages up specifically averaging on base and get closer to that 270, 350 mark. Currently he's at 255, 340. So not a ton of work to get to those numbers, but would love to see him be more of a 270 hitter uh, with a 350 on base and get that OPS closer to 900. It's currently at 827. And that will obviously come as I think we'll see some more home runs for him in the second half. I still think he gets, you know, over 30 homers this year, which seemed like a, an easy bet at the beginning of the year, uh, but it's taken him a little bit to get to those 17 home runs. But I think we see more of that in the second half. What is the plan with Spencer Strider? He's already at 74 and a third innings pitched. He threw 96 and a third innings last year. That is obviously his high mark as a professional. Do you move him back to the bullpen and limit his innings to keep him fresh for the stretch run and hopefully the postseason? I think that'll be something key to watch in the second half is what they do with Spencer Strider and how they manage his innings down the stretch, or do they manage his innings and just continue to let him go? That'll be a big storyline to watch. And can Ian Anderson turn it around? You know, he's the one weak link in the rotation right now, has a 4.79 ERA and a 1.51 whip and 18 starts. You know, who is Ian Anderson? Is he a fourth or fifth starter? Or is he a two or three starter like we've seen over the past couple of years? As I've talked about on here and on the postcast, you can live with your fourth or fifth starter, you know, going out and giving you five, five plus innings every time out of two or less, which is what Ian has done the majority of his career. And when you have other guys who have stepped up in the rotation like Strider, like Wright and Freedom Morton, you know, at the top, you can live with that for me and Anderson. But, you know, as many of you believe and as I believe, I think there's more in the take for Ian Anderson. I think he can be even better than that. So what does he look like in the second half? Can he kind of turn it around and be more of that consistent guy we've seen his first couple of years in the big leagues? 
those are the biggest storylines for the Braves in the, the second half. Let me know what other storylines you could be following. Next, I want to talk about the schedule and what it looks like for the Braves and how difficult it will be for them to take over the NL East going up against what the Mets have left on their schedule. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available now on Locked On NFL Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The Atlanta Braves kick off the second half of the season against the Angels, like we talked about up top, and we'll preview that series here in a minute. But I want to just go over the entire second half schedule of the Braves, what it looks like, how difficult it is. As you know, they have 12 more games against the New York Mets in the second half. Uh, nine of those come between August 1st and August 18th. So that's obviously going to be a huge stretch of games for the Braves in terms of deciding the NL East. And then they have three more at the end of the season, the second to last series of the year for the Braves. And that game is in Atlanta. So the division's likely decided in those 12 games and really in that two to three week stretch in the, the beginning of August is going to be crucial. They also have 12 games against the Phillies. And I don't think we should be discounting that the Phillies are still very much in the postseason hunt. They're in a postseason spot right now, tied for that last wild card spot. Those are going to be big games as well. And that could decide the fate of the Phillies. If the Braves go out and just pound them, they could put them away similar to what they did last year. So those are going to be 12 big games as well. The Braves have 30 games against teams below 500 and 38 games against teams above 500. So a little bit more difficult schedule down the stretch for the Braves. It's kind of the exact opposite of that for the Mets. They have more games against teams below 500 than they do above. So the Mets have the easier schedule. Coming out of the break, though, it's a fairly soft schedule for the Braves with three against the Angels at home, the Angels without Mike Trout. They, they do have three at Philly that won't be easy, and then three against the Diamondbacks who could be getting ready to sell before the deadline. August is tough, though. That's going to be the make-or-break kind of stretch for the Braves to determine whether or not they come back and win the NL East. They have two, two games set with Philly, five with the Mets, two with Boston, four with Miami, three with the Mets, and two with Houston. That is a really tough 18-game stretch. If the Braves can come out of that winning nine or more games, I feel very good about their chances the rest of the way. But that is a tough 18-game stretch at the beginning of August. 
Then 11 of their next 14 games are against Pittsburgh, Colorado, Miami, and Oakland with the Cardinals mixed in there as well as the other three games in that 14-game stretch. So that's a little bit easier schedule there. The way I kind of broke it down is if, if the Braves win every series against teams below 500 the rest of the way, lose every series against teams above 500, and tie all the even-numbered series, that gets them 35 more wins. That's a 35 and 33 record in the second half. Not great. And that puts you at 91 wins on the season, which is likely enough for at least a wild card spot, but probably not enough for the division. And I'm not saying the Braves go 35 and 33. I'm certainly hoping for more than that. I think that's the bare minimum that they do in the second half. But you apply that same method to the Mets and their schedule and the Mets would go 41 and 28 in the second half, which would put them at 99 wins. So, again, you're looking at what the Braves could do, bare minimum, just winning the series they should, you know, losing the series against good teams and splitting all the even numbered series. That would put the Braves at 91 wins and the Mets at 99 wins. So, I give, you know, the Mets have a slight edge in the second half over the Braves in terms of home games, in terms of easier opponents um it's just the Mets have the edge in that regards and you expect them to make a big splash at the deadline so the Braves have their work cut out for them I'm not saying they can't do it and can't get it done you know to get to 100 wins the Braves would have to go 44 and 24 the rest of the way playing 20 games over 500 over a 68 game stretch you know against the competition the Braves are going to be facing just doesn't seem doable you're going to have to hope the Mets kind of just slip up and fall a little bit down the stretch and and bring things back to the Braves because of the schedule they have. It's not that I think the Mets are so much better than the Braves, but you are going to have to ask for a little bit of help just because the Mets' schedule is a little bit easier. But, again, the Braves have 12 games against the Mets. They have the opportunity to take care of business themselves and get it done. But when you're just looking at the schedules – the Mets have the advantage there the rest of the way. So it's going to be a tough task for the Braves if they're going to come back and win this division, but I certainly believe they are capable of doing so. And it all starts this weekend against the Los Angeles Angels, a team really struggling. The Braves have to take advantage and get some big wins this weekend against the Angels. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, sports, and scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am super excited about this series this weekend against the Angels because I will be there. It's the first time I've been to Atlanta since opening day, taking the whole family. Was hoping to see Mike Trout. It doesn't look like that's going to happen as he's on the IL, but we get to see Showtime and Shohei. Otani, who's going to be starting on Friday night. So I'm super pumped about that. If you're there, uh, seek me out, say hi. I would appreciate meeting some of the listeners, but I will be there all three games this weekend, and I am super pumped 
to watch the Braves take on Shohei Otani and the Angels. Should be a fun weekend in Atlanta. Otani's projected to go on Friday night. Uh, Otani has a 2380 RA, a 0.989 whip this year in 87 innings with 123 strikeouts. He's given up one earned or less in his last six starts, and he's gone at least five and two-thirds in all of those. Basically, the only time the Angels win here lately is when Shohei Otani pitches. So Friday night is going to be tough, but I got to admit, I'm excited to see Shohei Otani pitch in person. And not just that, on the offensive side, he's slashing 258, 348, 486 with 19 home runs. He's doing it all for the Angels on the pitching side of things and offensively, especially with Mike Trout out and Anthony Randone being one of the worst contracts ever as he is out as well. Um, you know, this is special. And again, I hope the Raves win. I hope they can beat Otani. But if you have the opportunity, you're in Atlanta, or if you're just watching on TV, you know, don't miss what Shohei Otani is doing. It's something we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. And it really is just certainly special. And I, I plan to enjoy it this weekend. Uh, Charlie Morton will be going up against Shohei Otani on Friday. Three walks in each of his last two outings. Not great. Really got hurt by the three-run homer that he gave up to Lindor in his last outing. Before that outing, he had given up two earned or less in five straight starts and seemed like he was on a bit of a roll. Need a big second half from Charlie. Again, kind of struggled out of the gate. Then I thought, again, he had that five-game stretch where he looked really good, looked like the old Charlie, but his last outing, you know, not not great. So looking for him to pick things back up against the Angels offense that, again, without Mike Trout, even with Mike Trout, has been really struggling. On Saturday, it's Kyle Wright versus Patrick Sandoval. Sandoval is one of the more underrated pitchers in the league. He's got some really good numbers. Doesn't typically go deep into games. That's because he wastes a lot of pitches. He'll walk some batters. The Braves' aggressiveness might help him out in that game. So hopefully the Braves are a little bit more patient with Sandoval because the key like a lot of these teams we've been facing lately, get into that bullpen because the Angels have some pretty good starters, especially coming out of the break, you know, lined up with their best starting pitchers. Uh, so be patient with Sandoval. Has some big swing and miss stuff, um, but get him out of that game as early as you can because he is a really good underrated pitcher. Kyle Wright, seven innings in three of his last four starts, three under less, three earned or less in his last four outings. So he's been on a pretty good roll. Uh, giving up a lot of hits, but not walking many and not giving up a lot of extra base hits, not a lot of hard hits, uh, but teams are making a lot more contact against him. I think he's been missing over the middle of the zone a little too much. Uh, so hopefully he has a good start coming out of the break. On Sunday, Ian Anderson versus Reed Detmers. Uh, Detmers, 23 year old, 23 years old, 2020 round draft pick. He's there, Spencer Strider. You know, doesn't have that high velocity stuff, but. Somebody coming out of that 2020 draft, really moving up quickly through the system and having some success at the big league level. He's been really good since rejoining the rotation. He was there early, moved to the bullpen, and is now back in the rotation. He's gone six innings in his last two starts, giving up just two earned runs combined in those two starts. So he seems to be figuring it out at the big league level as well and will be a really solid pitcher for the Angels going forward. Ian Anderson talked about it when talking about the biggest storylines for the second half. He's got to figure something out. You know, he, he's got to make some changes, I believe, uh, some adjustments to how he attacks hitters, especially early in games. He's wasting too many pitches. He's getting pulled too early, uh, walking too many batters. 
We just need to see more consistency from Ian Anderson, see him be able to work deeper into, into games and honestly just obviously just be more effective. And I think maybe, you know, utilize that curveball a little bit more early on to get hitters thinking about it. I just think he becomes too predictable, especially a third time through the order with that fastball up and that change up down. So looking for some adjustments for Ian Anderson on Sunday and as the second half begins. Just quickly looking at the Angels' numbers, 26th in run score, 26th in average, 22nd in slugging. Again, the Braves pitching really just needs to limit the damage against this Angels team, especially without Mike Trout. Don't let Shohei Otani beat you, and I think the Braves pitching staff can hold them down. The, Bra the Angels starters, like I said, they are pretty good. They're 12th in the league in ERA for starters, but 20th in bullpen. So get to that bullpen as quickly as possible. Go to work against them and pull away late. That is a strategy for the Braves, who hopefully can get at least a series win, perhaps maybe a sweep over the struggling Angels of Anaheim. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen every day. We'll be back on Monday talking about this series against the Angels. Make sure you go make Locked On MLB Prospects your second listen of the day, where host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, where he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow and covering the MLB draft as well. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 